Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for Wednesday, May 10th. I'm Shelby Herbert, reporting for KFSK. The state of Alaska is asking for a partial stay of a federal court order forcing the closure of commercial salmon trolling for King in southeast Alaska this summer, pending an appeal. Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka. The motion for a partial stay was filed on Monday in the U.S. District Court of Western Washington, which last week ruled that the southeast Alaska king salmon fisheries in both summer and winter were operating in violation of the Endangered Species Act and depriving a small population of killer whales in Puget Sound of a critical component of their diet. The state of Alaska immediately filed notice that it intended to appeal to the U.S. Ninth Circuit. The state was joined by the Alaska Trollers Association in asking for the stay, arguing that if the summer and winter troll fishery seasons are closed, this will have a direct, immediate, and irreparable impact on the economic, cultural, and social fabric of southeast Alaska. The state and the trollers are interveners in the lawsuit on behalf of the defendant, the National Marine Fisheries Service, which is responsible for ensuring the compliance of Alaska's fisheries with federal law. NIMPS hasn't indicated any intention to appeal the ruling and instead issued a statement assuring southeast trollers that the other species they target, coho and chum, were unaffected by the court's order. Additionally, the agency was working expeditiously to resolve the conflict with the Endangered Species Act. The lawsuit was originally brought by the Wild Fish Conservancy of Duval, Washington, to protect southern resident killer whales, which has just over 70 animals remaining. Expert opinion differs on whether the closure of king salmon trolling in southeast will have any effect on their long-term survival. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game has yet to determine how and when the commercial troll fishery would open this summer if the court refuses to grant the stay. Alaska is asking for a decision by May 26th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. After a two-day trial, a Ketchikan Superior Court judge ruled that a list of 14 traditional tribal values can keep their place in Ketchikan schools. The decision comes less than a week after the trial's end. Reagan Miller reports from Ketchikan. The values were created years ago by Southeast Native leaders and include items like hold each other up and speak with care. But parents Justin Brees and Rebecca King sued the school district, alleging that one of the values, reverence for our creator, was a religious statement that violated the First Amendment's Establishment Clause. They asked for the posters to be taken down from common areas and instead be incorporated into guided lessons. The parents also wanted the values removed from a behavior reward system at Ketchikan Charter School. In the written decision, Judge Catherine Librand said that the plaintiffs didn't prove the statement was religious. Librand said that in order to violate the Establishment Clause, the posters would have to be forcing students into believing a certain way. She said that fact was not proven at the trial. And, Librand ruled, even if it was religious, it still wouldn't be a violation of the clause because the display of the posters isn't forcing a certain behavior. Librand echoed testimony from expert witnesses, saying the posters were hung to encourage cultural awareness, not a particular behavior. Librand also wrote that the reverence for our creator value wasn't a required part of the Ketchikan Charter School program, and teachers aren't required to hang the posters in their classrooms. Additionally, Librand noted that the posting of the value was, quote, more akin to reciting the Pledge of Allegiance than the posting of the Ten Commandments, end quote. 
Native leaders in Ketchikan and around Southeast applauded the decision on social media, along with Ketchikan's tribe. Plaintiff Rebecca King said she did not have a comment regarding the decision, but that as parents, they weren't law experts and received an answer through the legal process. KRBD could not reach a representative from the Ketchikan Gateway Borough School District. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. Alaska Congresswoman Mary Peltola and other House Democrats say they're worried about the U.S. Supreme Court, that the U.S. Supreme Court is about to weaken the Indian Child Welfare Act to the detriment of Native children and their tribes. Peltola, the first Alaska Native person elected to Congress, previously worked as a tribal court judge where child custody Custody cases were a mainstay. At a congressional roundtable on Tuesday, Peltola stressed the importance of keeping children with it with their families or placing them within the tribe. The Supreme Court is expected to rule soon on a challenge to ICWA brought by the state of Texas and a group of non-native adoptive parents. They say the Indian Child Welfare Act makes unconstitutional distinctions based on race. Supporters of ICWA say it's based on tribal affiliation. Congress passed the law to reverse the wholesale alienation of children from their tribes. New York University law professor Maggie Blackhawk says the trend reached terrifying levels by the 1950s and 60s. Quote, state governments separated 100,000 of the estimated 400,000 Native children from their parents and placed those children in homes with no political, cultural, or linguistic connection to their nations. The case is called Brackeen versus Holland. The justices heard arguments in November, and a ruling is expected by the end of June. Fourteen people are safe after an excursion vessel caught fire in Sitka over the weekend. Shortly after 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, the captain of the 56-foot Yukon Queen contacted the Coast Guard to report a fire in the engine room. The boat had been traveling from the Gary Paxton Industrial Park toward the head of Silver Bay near Bear Cove. Here's Coast Guard Petty Officer Ian Gray. We had a helicopter on scene hovering over, just monitoring the situation. There were a couple of Good Samaritan boats out there as well that were assisting with getting the people off toward the vessel that was on fire. According to a release from the Sitka Fire Department, those Good Samaritan vessels were work skiffs from the nearby Medviji Hatchery. They helped the 10 passengers evacuate the vessel, ferrying them back to the hatchery dock. The crew members remained on board and fought the fire with extinguishers, closing off the engine room to isolate the fire. They managed to snuff out the blaze before emergency crews arrived. Once firefighters arrived and ensured the fuel and power on the boat were secured, they stayed on board to monitor for any sign of rekindling. The Yukon Queen was towed to the nearby Industrial Park dock, where emergency responders continued to investigate the scene. One crew member was treated and released for possible smoke inhalation, but no other injuries were reported. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. The Yukon Queen is owned by local tour company Adventure Sitka. The fire damage is estimated at around $500,000. The Sitka School Board has gone on record in opposition to a bill before the Alaska legislature that may, that many expect would limit the rights of gender nonconforming students. 
The board's official resolution, passed at its regular meeting on May 3rd, also supports the inclusion of diverse perspectives, including LGBTQ plus and communities of, cover, of color in school materials and curricula. Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka. House Bill 105 was introduced by Governor Dunleavy in March as parental rights legislation, but it contains language to restrict sex education and require students to use restrooms designated for the sex they were assigned at birth. Board member Tristan Gavon drafted Sitka's resolution by cutting and pasting from similar resolutions appearing around the country. He said the rights of gender nonconforming or LGBTQ plus students have come under increasing threat. And for me, we're talking about, you know, fundamental human and civil rights here, um, you know, and beyond kind of basic decency and caring um, that we should show everybody in our community. The proposed law would also prohibit teachers and administrators from using the names or pronouns used by students without the permission of parents. It also would require parents to opt in with written permission to have their children receive sexual health education. Under current policy, children would attend those classes unless their parents opt out. That's the rationale behind the governor's calling it a parental rights bill. But many see that language as cover for the law's actual intent, which Gavon suggested could further stigmatize an already at-risk population. LGBTQ students, you know, are, are, are more likely to be bullied, to, to experience physical assault, to report um, feelings of isolation, um, you know, attempts at suicide, much, much higher rates than their peers. And we see that, you know, here and, and throughout the nation. Other board members rallied behind the resolution in opposition to HB 105. Melanie Board thanked Gavon for bringing it forward. I want our schools to be welcoming and safe and for all students. And so I agree with every whereas and be it further resolved. This is an amazing document. The board's student member, Felix Myers, said the Sitka High student body was working on its own resolution to deliver to the Association of Alaska Student Governments. He thought the two resolutions together would send a strong message. We have to have a unilateral approach, you know. The adults in the room are against this. The students are against this because, you know, we we care about all of our students, you know, um, no matter who they are. The Sitka resolution runs across trends elsewhere in the country of book bans and other efforts to limit the accessibility of material about LGBTQ plus figures. The resolution states the Sitka schools shall incorporate LGBTQ plus people and issues in school curricula, including in health and sex education. School libraries shall include materials that portray LGBTQ plus figures in a positive light, and schools shall ensure that the curricula include diverse perspectives, especially LGBTQ plus people of color and issues specific to communities of color. Board President Blossom Teal Olson said that House Bill 105 felt like a step backward for Alaska. As a parent and as a person who has witnessed the growth of our society, it was really disheartening to see HB 105. It just affirms that we still need to stand up and speak out for basic human rights for everyone. Lastly, the Sitka resolution opposes a pending policy decision before the Alaska School Activities Association that would ban transgender girls from girls' sports and activities. The resolution passed unanimously. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. 
The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration declared this year's climate to be an El Nino year based on conditions in the Pacific Ocean. In Kodiak, Brian Benoit talked with a climatologist on what that will mean for Alaska. El Nino and La Nina are Spanish for the boy and the girl, respectively. But when it comes to climate, they're part of an irregular cycle of sea surface temperatures in the Pacific Ocean near the equator. This year, NOAA declared conditions are most in line with El Nino. That means Alaskans will likely see slightly higher temperatures and more storms, especially around the Gulf of Alaska. The high-altitude winds, like the jet stream, are weaker in the summer, so effects won't be noticeable until later this year. Rick Toman is the University of Alaska Fairbanks's climate specialist. It's really as we move into the fall time and the storminess increases again that we see the main effects of El Nino. He says just a few degrees difference near the equator changes where tropical storms form and can affect weather all around the ocean. Variations in ocean surface temperatures of one or two degrees, a thousand miles from Hawaii, can wind up affecting our weather because those big, giant tropical thunderstorms can control how the jet stream flows and meanders at higher latitudes. Batoman was also quick to point out that while El Nino is the current prediction, weather can be fickle. El Nino and La Nina stack the deck towards certain conditions, but they're just one factor forecasters take into account. There have been El Nino years when it has wound up colder than normal, but we're loading the dice to be warmer than normal for the upcoming winter. El Nino conditions typically last 9 to 12 months. The longest El Nino recorded lasted about a year and a half in the late 1980s, but it could dissipate as early as spring of next year. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Benoit. The Nanana Ice Classic tripod moved enough to stop the clock on Monday in the annual Tanana River Ice Out Guessing Game. According to ice Cla- an Ice Classic organization post, the ice officially went out at 4.01 p.m. Alaska Standard Time on Monday. The tripod fell on its side on Sunday, but it took another day for the decaying ice and current to push it downstream enough to stop the shore-based clock it's tethered to. People who guessed the correct time on their tickets will split an over $222,000 jackpot. Ice Classic organizers said on Monday that winners could be notified over the next 24 hours and checks will be mailed out June 1st.